probably heard a lot about the importance of bees for the environment, about how they pollinate flowers and crops and make honey. As an environmental movement, it's probably the least controversial. People seem to be less interested in maintaining the use of certain pesticides than, say, maintaining the oil and gas sectors of our economy. The conversation we have about bees is often a national one, but what does it look like locally? From the Auburn Plainsman, this is Sweet 1111. This week, we have two stories about bees. In the first half of our program, Lydia McMullen, a Plainsman writer, talks about how an Auburn student turned beekeeper manages colonies spread across his friends' backyards, from pesticide management to getting his honey in local coffee shops. In the second half, I'll be back to talk about how bees help Auburn's ecology. Stay with us. Hey, my name is Jack West, and I'm the editor-in-chief of the Auburn Plainsman. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast, Suite 1111. If you enjoy this podcast, want to support it, and want to advertise with us, this space right here is available. If you're interested, send an email to admanager at theplainsman.com, and we can get you all set up. Once again, that's admanager at theplainsman.com if you want to advertise with us. Thank you so much. fifth-year senior studying mechanical engineering has spent a lot of his days recently harvesting honey with his dad. In the morning, they go to one of their bee yards where they keep 10 or so hives. And then we'll go through them, check them if there's honey ready in the boxes. We'll drive the bees out with smoke from our smoker, and then we use something called Bego. You like spray it on a felt board and put it on top of the hive, and it basically it smells really bad. So the bees run out, run down, get out of the way, and then we take the boxes Take that back to our uh, house where we have all our equipment. They have equipment that takes the wax cappings off of the cells on the honeycomb. Another piece of equipment spins the honey out. Um, And yeah, once you spin it out, we put it in the buckets and then from buckets in the bottles. So it's a streamlined, smooth process. We'll usually do all that in a day or two. Strickland said it takes about two weeks of work to harvest all of their honey in the summer. They have 60 beehives. This year they collected 366 gallons of honey. It sounds like a lot, you know, and for us it is, but some people make a lot more than that. Those people who make a lot more honey than Strickland included his neighbor, a commercial beekeeper who sold to big companies like Kellogg's and managed over 2,000 beehives. Strickland said he got honey from his neighbor and wanted to try beekeeping himself. Eight years ago, Strickland and his dad bought their first beehive. We learned pretty much everything that we needed to from the neighbor who was experienced and got us started, and then from YouTube, pretty, pretty much just looking wow. up stuff, and then the, the rest of it was just trial and error as we figured it out and made mistakes and learned from that. Strickland said they have been lucky and haven't had any big mistakes with disease. Pests have been a problem, though. There are tiny mites and beetles that can spread quickly if hives aren't checked often enough, so they put mesh screens on the bottom of hives that the parasites, but not the bees, can fall through. Below the mesh is a pan filled with mineral oil that drowns the pests. They didn't want to medicate their bees very heavily, so they have turned to solutions like this instead. Has bee conservation become like anything that's close to you now? Uh, It's definitely something I've noticed with respect to colony collapse disorder, um, which uh, CCD, that's like, is what really wiped out a ton of bees what most people see here. Like the the bee, like my dad calls him our bee mentor, the neighbor that taught us everything. He had those 2000 hives, but in 2008 when colony collapse disorder hit, He went from 2,000 to 200, and one year they all disappeared. 
From what Strickland understands, CCD has to do with pesticide use, especially large-scale agriculture. They live in a rural area that doesn't have large agriculture around them, so it hasn't really been an issue. It's worrisome, yeah. for sure, but luckily we haven't had to deal with it too much. About 15 of their 60 hives are in the backyard of their family home. Others are scattered on the properties of family friends across South Montgomery County and into Pike County. You want to put some distance between your bees. One, because they can. there's only so much you know, blooming within mm -hmm. a certain area. And if you have too many bees, there's, there's only so much that can support them, right? So like you want them spread out for that reason. Mm -hmm. And also if you have them all together, you're more likely to have more problems with disease and with pests. When the nectar has dehydrated and the bees cap almost all of their cells with wax, Strickland harvests the honey. After it has been collected in buckets, Strickland takes it straight to the bottles to be sold and distributed. Well, we've kind of found a niche in coffee shops and like small, like organic grocery stores, um, such as like Coffee Cat here in Auburn. They buy our honey, they make some like sauces to like mix in their drinks. I don't know if that's the right word, but <laughs> like they'll mix it with like chocolate and other stuff and put it in drinks. Or you can just ask for it straight and they'll put it in drinks. Yeah. And they also retail it. He said the best advice he could give to people looking to try out beekeeping for themselves was to pay close attention to their bees. Well, we've seen a lot in people that are just getting started is they'll get, you know, one or two hives just getting started, figuring things out. And then they'll kind of have the idea that I can just put them there and they're good. I put them in the box. They're good to go. They'll, they're bees. They'll be fine. But they get weak. They may have, might have a pest problem. Something happens to the queen and you come back after a month or two and your bees are dead or they're gone. And it's because you weren't checking on them and you weren't able to diagnose any problems. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Natalie Beckerink, Managing Editor of the Auburn Plainsman. I just want to remind everyone that if you'd like to support Sweet 1111 and the newsroom that creates it, you can log on to theplainsman.com and click on the upper right-hand corner that says Donate. You'll be supporting over 125 years of local, editorially independent journalism right here in Auburn. Once again, that's theplainsman.com and click on the upper right-hand corner that says Donate. Thank you so much in advance, and now back to the show. Behind a fence on Lim Morrison Drive sits a row of buzzing boxes, all painted orange, blue, and white in various patterns. These are some of the bees owned and researched by the Auburn University Bee Lab, which studies bees both in and outside of their hives. Here's Jeff Williams, a professor in the Department of Etymology and Plant Pathology who conducts his research through the Bee Lab. But at the end of the day, we're really there to understand what's going on with our bees and try to promote their health and promote us as humans promoting their health through our action. About half an hour west of Auburn, there is a kiwi orchard where the farmer is using both bumblebees and honeybees for pollination. The bee lab is trying to find out which species is the most efficient pollinator for the orchard. Different species of bees have different traits. Some bees pollinate early in the morning, while others pollinate later in the day. Some have longer tongues, which is what it uses to collect nectar from flowers. Honeybees produce a lot of, well, honey. Bumblebees, on the other hand, barely produce any. There's all these different aspects of bees that really, um, that really are important to know while we're studying, like what's the most efficient pollinator of, of a specific species of plant. Williams said bees are important for the planet, but also Alabama and Auburn specifically. 
He said bees have this intimate connection with flowering plants, and a lot of the things we eat are dependent on pollination from bees. So those blueberries that you're eating in the morning, for example, that was pollinated by um, bees. Williams said the threat of colony collapse disorder, or CCD, isn't as great as it used to be, but its causes are still mysterious. So colony collapse disorder is um, kind of this mysterious phenomenon that was observed several years ago. Um, to be honest, we don't know what causes that or what caused that, and it seems like that phenomenon isn't really appearing very often anymore. So it's actually off mm. the radar of the average beekeeper or bee researcher. He said the bee lab usually has 60 to 100 active colonies each year, spread out five or six miles in every direction from the bee lab. Most are on university property, but some are on city property or the property of partners who live a few miles out of town. Mm. For us, it makes sense to have an area that's not so tightly connected with like uh, homes or, or buildings just because we need to have uh, for efficiency maybe the ability to have 20 or 30 colonies in that site and mm. clearly you can't you can't just plop 30 colonies in, in someone's backyard. A natural byproduct of caring for their bees for research is the production of honey which the bee lab harvests, bottles, and sells once or twice a year. This year due to the pandemic they will be selling online. It's as, as natural as, as you can get there. That's one difference between the honey that we sell or like a local beekeeper would sell versus something you may see on the shelf that came from some kind of cooperative and that they really um, fine filter their honey because they're trying to remove a lot of like the pollen grains and some of the minerals in there because that can call, cause something called crystallization or granulation. Bees can recognize colors and shapes which is why the bee lab paints their bee boxes, as it can be hard for a bee to go to the right colony if they all look the same. Of course, uh, some bees go to the wrong colony, or even if there's like a strong wind, you'll see bees ending up going to the wrong colony because of that. Um, there's also a trend if you have a long line of, of colonies, the colonies at the end tend to pick up more of the flying bees than colonies in the middle. One hive was painted with blue and white vertical stripes. Another hive had two paw prints on it. They've also found that orienting hives in different directions helps the bees find their way back. But what happens when a bee makes a mistake and goes into the wrong hive is still a bit of a gray area, Williams said. In theory, guard bees, which watch the entrance to the hive and prevent intruders who want to steal honey or bring disease, should stop them. So on paper, there are guard bees at the entrance that are essentially sniffing out bees coming and going and will turn away um, a foreign bee or insect or whatever. Um, in reality, again, you know, it's not a perfect system. And in some cases, if that bee is just naively like coming back to her, to her colony, thinking that she's ready to drop off some nectar, she could just walk right by and just do her business. And all of a sudden, she's helping out that one colony. I just want to take a moment and give a special thanks to Christian Baker, who works at the Bee Lab and got the audio sample for the bees for today's episode. When he handed me back the recorder and I played it for the first time, I was honestly a little unnerved by the way it sounded, like a bunch of wasps buzzing in my ear, which I guess I should have expected. But I think that when we talk about bees and what they do for the environment, we give them this angelic quality, 
and we think of them as landing on a flower in slow motion and gingerly drinking the nectar. But they are still just these chaotic little bugs. They do have those cute dances though. Here's Strickland. All right, so there's this one really cool thing that bees do called the waggle dance. Um, well, at least that's what I call it. So a bee might go out and it finds honey uh, or a nectar source. There's flowers blooming nearby. It flies back to its hive. And to tell the other bees where this honey's at, it dances in a figure eight pattern, kind of shaking its tail and moving around. And I've seen it before. It's really fun to watch. It's kind of goofy looking. From the Auburn Plainsman, this has been Sweet 1111. I'm Trice Brown, signing off. See you next week.